Welcome to the Raised with Jesus podcast, 10 minutes every day where life with Jesus meets yours. You've got your daily Bible reading today from 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians 8. Now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace of God that was given to the churches of Macedonia. In a severe test of trouble, their overflowing joy and their deep poverty overwhelmed into an abundance of their generosity. I testify that of their own free will, they gave according to their ability, and even beyond their ability, pleading with us with an urgent request for the gracious privilege of joining in this service to the saints. And they did this not as we had expected, but in keeping with God's will, they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us. As a result, we urged Titus, since he had already made a beginning, to bring to completion this gracious gift on your part. But just as you overflow in every way, in faith, in word, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us, see that you also overflow in this gracious gift. I do not say this as a command, but to test how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that although he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich." And I am giving advice in this matter because it is going to be helpful for you. Last year, you were not only the first to take action, but also the first to be willing. Now bring this work to completion too, so that your eagerness to start may be matched by your completing it with what you have. For if the eagerness is there, a gift is acceptable according to what someone has, not according to what he does not have. Certainly, our goal is not that others take it easy while you are burdened, but that there may be equality. At the present time, your abundance will provide what they lack, in order that their abundance will also provide what you lack. In this way, there will be equality. As it is written, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. Thanks be to God who put into the heart of Titus the same concern I have for you, because he accepted our encouragement and went to you eagerly of his own free will. We sent along with him the brother who is recognized by all the churches for his preaching of the gospel. Not only that, but also he was elected by the churches to be our traveling companion, as we administer this gracious gift to the glory of the Lord and to show our eagerness to help. We are trying to avoid any criticism of the way we are administering this lavish gift To be sure, we are taking into consideration what is proper, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of other people. We sent along with them our brother who has often proved to us in many tests that he is eager, and now is even more eager because of the great confidence he has in you. As for Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker for your benefit. Our brothers, messengers sent by the churches, are the glory of Christ. So then, Show the evidence of your love in the sight of the churches, and demonstrate why we boasted to them about you. This is the word of our God. Now that Paul has discussed what is the Christian ministry and the pain and the joy of it, as well as the temporary nature of life in this world versus the eternal lasting nature of the work that Christ carries out through his church for the world to come, now Paul turns his attention to the main heart of his message and this the main part of this letter where he talks about the gift that they are gathering for those in Jerusalem. There seems to be some famine of some sort, which was prophesied even back in the book of Acts, um, prophesied that there be a famine soon. And so when Paul is on this third missionary journey, he goes around and he has arranged a collection, an offering to help provide food, especially for the widow and the destitute back in Jerusalem. 
And as he does so, he encourages godly giving in a very a very straightforward way, uh, very encouraging, but you can definitely tell that there's more to the story, that Paul is being very gentle, but he's also being firm to say, dear friends, you have the ability, and now put that ability into action. And when he does so, he does this curious thing. Before we even get into it, he he highlights the grace of God in another congregation. <laughs> and that, that sounds a little strange, perhaps. Well, look at what God is doing over there. Look at how they responded. Um, we might feel uncomfortable with that. I know I did when I was reading it, and all I could think of was that I grew up in um, in a little town called Appleton, Wisconsin. Uh, this is me personally, Pastor Hagen. I grew up in Appleton, Wisconsin, and, you know, a city of 70,000, 80,000 people at the time, and we had, I don't know, seven, eight, nine, ten Wells churches within Appleton city limits, and then if you draw like a 40-minute circle around that area, then you'd have around 120 churches. So there was well, well church in the Wisconsin Synod in that, in that Fox Valley area. And competition among churches wasn't viewed in the way that Paul talks about here. Not that it's a, a competition, but it would be very easy to look at what is going on at another church and to say, well, we have it more difficult here to look at what is going on at another church. And of course they're successful because look at, look at, um, you know, they're in the black every year. They're, they're never have any budget problems. Look at their pastor. He's a fantastic preacher. He's, he, um, he, he preaches for a long time or maybe he preaches for a short time and everybody is laughing and smiling. Look at their building, look at their facilities, look at all that they have that we don't. And that must be the reason why. Is it possible and maybe even probable that, even among our churches, there's this sense of competition, not to the glory of God, not to be faithful with what we have, but competition because it's more appealing to be a member of the church that looks to be doing well, that is on the move, a church that is, um, is really doing a lot of ministry and has the statistics to prove it and back it up. Is it possible that Paul needs to address us also about our priorities. Because that's what he's doing. When he addresses the Corinthians here, he says, Dear friends, you've you've got the knowledge, you've got the will, you you had the eagerness to start, but then you got distracted by the next shiny object, you know? And he says, Dear friends, bring to completion as a good act in glory to God. In glory to God. Because your brothers and sisters in the faith, you're not in competition with them, but they are also working together with you to give glory to God in what we do and in how we carry out this gift. And yeah, he goes through all the details of how he's going to he's going to reassure them that, that they are being straightforward and that they've got a number of people coming along and they're reporting back to the congregations. And maybe that highlights another aspect, that there is a place when we consider our congregations and when we consider the work that we might do together in an area or when we draw encouragement from the work that is going on in another area, there's no place for hand-wringing and saying, woe are we, woe is us, whatever the phrase may be. Um, there's no place for hand-wringing. There's no place for saying, well, if we had that, then we would do this. And there's no place for envy and jealousy. But there is a place to say, how can we be more faithful with what our Lord has given to us? Because that's really the, the question here of 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. 
It's the longest continuous section on stewardship of money in the entire Bible, as Paul talks about collecting this offering. And as he does so, he really he really highlights the grace of God. Consider verses 2 through 5, if you're following along in your Bible, verses 2 through 5, um, he highlights all the ways in which God's grace brought this tremendous gift out of the churches of Macedonia, despite the challenges that were in front of them and laid upon them. In a severe test of trouble, number one, their overflowing joy and deep poverty overflowed into an abundance of their generosity. That's like three things there, joy and poverty um, resulting in generosity. Of their own free will, they gave according to their own ability and even beyond their ability. That look at the grace of God, that God's grace to God's glory brought this gift that was even more than Paul thought they would be able to support, but they did, pleading with us in an urgent request for the gracious privilege of joining in this service to the saints. They gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us. And all Paul can say is, look at God's grace, dear friends, look at what you have received, and please, Please join with us to bring the gift to its completion. Please join with us so that many more may be in this this family of believers. Many more may receive some comfort from you, even as we have received comfort from Christ. It just comes back to that again and again from chapter one, um, that we comfort one another with the comfort we ourselves have received from Christ. And what does that look like? Yes, that looks like providing for physical needs too. That looks like sacrificing for from what I have in order to support someone who does not have. That looks like treasuring and valuing this fellowship of believers, even above the temporary and and vanishing wealth of this world. Why? Because Jesus has died and risen, and because Jesus has promised us an eternal home, exactly as Paul said previously, an eternal home, not this tent that will pass away, that we hold this treasure in jars of clay, but the treasure is what matters to the glory of God. So is there a place for competition among churches? Not competition, because competition says the winner gets the glory, and Jesus gets the glory. But there's perhaps a place to say, how can we carry out ministry together? Or how can we be more faithful with God, with what God has given to us, that God doesn't expect you to be dropping a million dollars in the offering plate every week because he hasn't given that to you. But how can you be faithful with what he has given to you? We'll talk about that a little bit more as we get especially into chapter nine. And there are a number of of ideas and ideas related to Christian giving here in chapters 8 and 9 that really put it in its proper um, grace-filled gospel light. That this isn't onerous, but rather it helps us to direct our hearts and to remind our sinful flesh that we are not of this world. We are citizens of heaven. And as a result, those with whom we worship are our brothers and sisters in Christ. And As brothers and sisters in Christ, we look at what we have, the talents and abilities, the resources of a congregation. We look at the location and um, and the facilities and all those things to say, how can we do more to bring glory to Jesus here? Because that's the bottom line. It's not a competition where one is the winner and the other is the loser. It's cooperation that even if we are separated by hundreds of miles, we are not in competition with one another. We are part of the same family of believers working together to bring glory to Jesus in our respective places. 
So let's make sure that glory stays where it belongs and be faithful with what our Lord has given to us. Because yes, he will be returning soon. And then, then will be the time to rest. But now is the time for work. So take a moment today and say a prayer for your congregation. Say a prayer for the congregations nearby. And above all, please include in your prayers a a prayer for unity among our churches, both within our congregations and among congregations, especially in our different areas. Because our Lord has given us the tremendous gift of new opportunities over the last 15 months or so. So let's think together and work together how we can be faithful with the gifts that our Lord has given to us. I talk about that a little bit more in the next episode of the podcast here, which is my sermon from Ascension Evening, Thursday night, May 13th. Give a listen to that as well, where Jesus ascended into heaven because he has completed his work, and Jesus ascended into heaven because he still has work to do. Thanks so much for joining us here at the Raised with Jesus podcast. I know you have lots of listening options out here in podcast land and radio and audio books and all that sort of thing, but I really appreciate that you've taken a few moments to spend with us today. If this has been helpful or beneficial to you, go ahead and hit that share button to share with a friend and be sure to tune in tomorrow for our Thirsty Podcast episode with Pastor Lightning and Pastor Zarling. God bless your day. <laughs>